Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. What is up? Tennis bets back again. Mitch Michaels, Kenny Ducey, Zachary Cohen. We're going to get Pamela Maldonado here in a few minutes as well. But guys, we are back. We're ready to roll. We're in full swing, fully immersed in the U.S. Open Series, the Summer Hardcourt Series. There's a lot going on in the world of tennis. We've come down from Canada. We're back into Ohio at Cincinnati right now. A lot to discuss. Checking in with the fellas first. Uh, Kenny Ducey. It's been, uh, you know, a better run since last week. You've gotten your mojo back, and it could have been a great morning, but uh, one Frenchman prevented that from happening. Yeah, you know, hats off to Tommy Paul, a literal hat off, and he does this is he owns this hat. Uh, but, no, he had a great match today. I, I think Tommy's playing close to a top 10 level. I think his ranking will very soon reflect that. Um, and, uh, you know, to Hugo's credit, I, he, he fought really hard. I know that he almost got bageled in the first set, but – yeah, it was an unfortunate one. I think Zach and I were both banking on Ugo, at least taking a set there. And, uh, you know, because for the last two weeks, last three weeks, Ugo's been playing close to, I think, a top 20 level. Uh, Tommy just a little bit better today. And uh, it's now been two straight weeks where we've seen a very, very impressive level from Tommy Paul. Very exciting. You know, Francis Tiafo and Taylor Fritz can and pick up their mm-hmm. end of the slack. We could we could maybe get a good, uh, good American trio going into the U.S. Open. And Zico, you didn't even pick him bear to win. You just picked a long match, and that first set kind of set you back a ways. But, uh, you know, last week was a little tough. Canada was, you know, shout out to Pagula and Center for winning there. But we've seen some more variety and maybe some uh, volatility in the tennis uh, big events now. Yeah, I just had the over in that match. So I just needed him to serve out that 6-5 game and wasn't able to do it. But the silver lining of it is that we've been bashing Americans on this show for weeks now. So it's good to see Tommy come through in a big moment. And like Kenny said, he's playing some great tennis right now. He definitely looks like the best American on tour at the moment. All right. Now joining now joining Pamela Maldonado's here. I did not keep her private because of the phone comments last week that had nothing to do with it, but she is here. Uh, Pam, welcome to the show. And uh, we were talking about volatility, right? Like we're, maybe we were spoiled by an era where the top players just came. Volatility. Volatility. Who says it like that? Volatility. Green bubble. I'm in Canada. I'm in Canada. I'll I'll make fun of you for that. Not the phone. But volatility. What are you Canadian? I'm shaking my accent. Uh, You know, (laughs) Pam. What's uh, what's on your mind tennis wise as we gear up for the last big event before the U.S. Open? You know, you have to look at sports betting the same as you do in the stock market. And there is volatility. There's a bull season. And there's a time where you have to be a bear and kind of just sit back and chill. And right now we're in a situation where, yeah, I think we were really spoiled as not only tennis fans, but as sports bettors too within tennis where you can bet kind of the same guys. doesn't matter what tournament every year and you're making money. And for whatever reason, this year, I believe that it's just a lot more of an even playing field. And it's caused a lot more volatility into the atmosphere in the into the betting world. And because of that, we really only have Carlos Alcaraz, Novak Djokovic as the top two dominant players. And everybody else is kind of even keel. And because of that, 
there's no consistency on tour right now from any other players not named those top two. So because of that, you kind of have to sit back and it sucks because you want to bet. But at the same token, if you want to make money, you got to just chill. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think it's a good segue to someone who might be creeping in that, you know, consistency way. Uh, Zico Sinner gets his first big title. Prime for New York City. He's up to six in the rankings. And I know he didn't have to go through the very, very best to do it, but it's another step up for him. Peaking, as we said last week, we kind of hinted that this was a possibility even before Alcaraz upset that got upset that Sinner could do well here. And suddenly he's stepping up and maybe he's emerging as one of these guys. Yeah, I thought that was a huge win for Sinner. I think it would have been nice to see him go through a better player at some point, but you have to beat the guys that are in front of you. That's not his problem at all. But I do still have doubts over him winning a Grand Slam, at least in the near future. I just think that he needs to add a little bit more variety to his game. I think that watching him in Toronto just kind of slapping at the ball for the entire match, just you know throwing his arm at it, I think that's not a sustainable way of playing, especially in a best of five if he's going to be pushed to four or five you know, once or twice throughout the tournament. I think that we'll see him get fatigued much like we have in the past. Wow, Zico raining on someone's victory parade. Not not who I would expect on this show, but... Uh... No, I, I agree with Zico. Like, I think you look at Yannick Sinner's Grand Slams, right? And I think that the ability is obviously there. He's got one of the livest arms in the world. Uh, but when you look at the way that he's performed at Grand Slams, it is never pretty with this guy. And look, I mean, you could say the same thing about the man he was compared to, Novak Djokovic, right? Djokovic always dealing with an injury or on the brink of an upset, right? But it's different when, you know, you're the, one of the fittest athletes in the world you're uh, one of the most cerebral athletes in the world right Yannick Sinner is not there at the level of Novak Djokovic he cannot afford to be looking like a fool and you know really making a meal out of all these easy matches that he's supposed to win look at the U.S. Open last year was the greatest example of this he had I, I, arguably nothing left when he faced uh, Carlos Alcaraz and I know he had the match points I you know if you really watch that match closely Carlos gave Yannick Sinner a lot in that match and Sinner still was not able to close it out but had he not gone five sets with Ilya Vashka, dropped the set to Brandon Nakashima, almost freaking lost to Daniel Altmaier in the first round. He did lose to Daniel Altmaier in the first round at the French Open this year. Like, if he didn't do all that, maybe he has enough energy to really power through mentally, at least, you know, especially against Carlos. So, you know, we saw the Australian Open this year, going down two sets to love against Martin Fucevic. To, to agree with Zach here, until that changes, right, and it could change next week or two weeks from now, but until that all changes, he's not a serious contender at a Grand Slam. Well, I mean, I guess that's fair. I, I do think that's fair. I also think, though, Pam, with, he's up to six in the rankings, and we talked last week about all the players gunning for four, and they all lost. Mm -hmm. There's a real chance Sinner could get up there with another good result here, depending on what happens with Sitsipas, all those points defending, and Rublev already losing. I think if he can raise his ranking, those final two spots, that would give him at least the chance to avoid some of those players that have he troubled him a while. I think you nailed it that Sinner is probably outside of Novak Djokovic and Carlos Alcaraz. Sinner is probably the only other player that's been consistent. And it doesn't matter if he has a weaker schedule of opponents uh, compared to others. He's the best player not named those top two. So if he there is any type player to move in as a uh, recent form, I'm still in PGA mode too, in recent form, then yeah, it's probably going to be Sinner. And I like his odds better than the rest. So the only other one I would say is, are we are we collectively or maybe dividedly out on Medvedev? <sighs> only because not. of recent form, in my opinion. Okay. I would, yeah, I would still. I mean, he could. We'll see what happens in Cincinnati, right? I guess that's the easy, the easy cop out. But I would put him ahead of center as of now. I mean, if he this loses, guy is forty nine and ten. I would not. 
Do you know the reason why I would not is because, and you have to kind of apply this into all sports. Medvedev is still a recent dad. He's a father and maybe his thing. Okay. I mean, maybe he, you never want to knock it against them, but they're kind of, their focus kind of slips a little bit. And maybe right now this year is not as important to win a major winning title. I love Medvedev and I think he's definitely better than most of the players on tour, but he's kind of enjoying life right now as he should. So center above Medvedev if if we're only comparing the two. I I uh, I think that it's exciting what Sinner's been able to do, winning his first Masters. It's a big step for him. But I, I we really have to pump the brakes. I think as a society here, before we forget about Daniil Medvedev, this guy is 49 and 10 this year. He's won five tournaments, including one on clay, and he lost to Alex De Minaur in Toronto. And Alex De Minaur went all the way to the final. He's looked unbelievable right over the last few weeks, uh, dating back to this, uh, the new South American hardcore swing. Uh, I think that Medvedev here is just fine. I think he'll be fine. He had an easy win over Musetti today. He lost to Carlos Alcaraz at Wimbledon. Carlos Alcaraz won Wimbledon. He beat the greatest grass player, arguably of all time, you know, in Novak Djokovic. Like, I, I, there's, it, I know that you, I don't like to get into the game of making excuses for players because you can only make excuses so many times before you're wrong. Uh, and, and I've learned that through my years of betting. But what I will say is that's a very, very understandable loss. He didn't have a great grass season. He still had a good Wimbledon despite the bad grass season. And right. like losing to Demonor, I'm not ready to be like, this guy's going to not compete for the U S open because he lost to Alex Demonor who played really well last week. I think yeah. he's going to be fine. It's an, it's easy to forget that he's won four tournaments on hard courts this year. But the tiers are real that you have Djokovic Alcaraz on that top tier. Medvedev has, you know, and, and he's had Sinner's number, too. So if they did play, we know what has happened in the past. But Sinner is making some steps up. We'll see. I want to get to the future markets because we've had this discussion before. U.S. Open future markets. I'm just going to present what looks like here the top six on the men's side, and then I'll let you guys react, starting with Zico. This is what we have subject to change right now. But it really does tail off after Sinner. And uh, Alcaraz, a slight favorite over Djokovic, Medvedev in there, Sinner. Fitzapas Runa, big long shots. What stands out to you about this list? I think that, by the way, I agree with Kenny that Medvedev would be three. And I think that he's probably in a tier of his own in the second tier. But I don't like him at this price just because of the way he's playing lately. And there was even, a, I think I saw a video recently of him throwing his racket in practice, which is not a good sign for how things are going to be in Cincinnati. But yeah, I think that these are, you know, the probably the best looking odds I've seen as far as Alcaraz and Djokovic go. I think that this is the best way we've seen the two of them priced. It's been really lopsided in the last, you know, in the last two tournaments with one of them being, you know, plus 250 or something. But I do think that Alcaraz a little bit better. And I think that these are, you know, correct pricing with those two. Yeah. Pam, what do you, what breaks out for you here? Any value, any just favorite love? What do we got? Older Runa being one of the top, I think maybe like a year ago, maybe even six months ago, but he's kind of fallen off a bit and I'm not really interested. We've talked in length about how he doesn't have the stamina. So I don't think he should ever be considered for like an outright market. Maybe if you want to do like to win a quarter, but that's the extent of which I would go with Runa. Well, that, and that's, 100% Kenny, agree. yeah, 100% and Kenny, that's kind of what you guys, what you guys turned me on to too, is that you could look at these futures. If there are such long shots, that's a pass in there too. To win, take the future, and then you hedge at some point. So, and I know yeah, it's a it has, hasn't worked yet this year, yeah. but it is a good strategy. I, I, I would, I would, I totally agree with Pam. I mean, I think that depending on his quarter, maybe he's an interesting 
But, but even then, like he's, you know, given these odds, like if he, you know, unless he's in like the Djokovic quarter or the Akaraz quarter, if he avoids those guys, he might be like plus 400 to win his quarter. Like, I don't really love that. This kid just has not proven that he can go two weeks of tennis. And, you know, especially he was red hot at the end of last year, but like, so is Felix Ojealiassime, right? And like, are, is, I feel like Runa is sort of riding that high of, of beating Djokovic in Paris and, you know, kind of having a, a decent start to the season. Like, but I, again, like recent form would tell you, I, I don't think so. I, look, the guy I want to talk about, and it's very obvious here, is the man with the new coach, Stefano Tsitsipas, plus 3,400. He is playing, you know, solid tennis. I think he's got a very good chance to remain in the top four. We talked about it last week, but he is the king here in Cincinnati. Three straight years of the semifinals are better. He's got a lot of points to defend. But what I will say is, like, he's always played well at this tournament. He has never played well, frankly, at the U.S. Open. But, it, I mean, it's only a matter of time, right? Like, there's no way this guy can continue to disappoint at the U.S. Open. There's, there's just so many years that can go by before he eventually has a good showing. He's one of the best players in the world. And like, I just feel like I've been saying quarter, it's a matter of time for Sitsipas for like three, four years no, already. I'm not saying he's going to – look, I'm yeah. not saying he's going to win a Grand Slam right now, this year, maybe even the next two. But what I am saying – or ever. But what I am saying is that there is ever a chance for him to win a Grand Slam and ever a time to bet him, it would be right now because he's he's definitely had been held back, I think, by his family coaching him over the years. I think that maybe mm-hmm. mentally, I mean, we've talked about him mentally all his career, right? He even said it after he lost to Rublev at the US Open a few years ago in the third round. He was like, I don't know what I'm doing in tennis. I've lost my way. Like this guy is 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 all over the place mentally. I think this has the opportunity, a new coach, Mark Philippus, to lock him in. And get yeah. his best level because he's ta- he's talented, just as talented as anyone in the world. He's just as talented as Yannick Sinner. So mm-hmm. I'm interested to see what happens this week, next week, and the year, or this week and the first week of the U.S. Open. It is the one thing that we were all hoping would happen. So we got to give that like a full-time pro coach. So at least there is that. Um, mm-hmm. Damn, is there anybody else that wasn't on that board that you'd be looking at, or just? No, (laughs) I really love Djokovic and Carlos Alcas. I hope we see another rematch here. I hope we see them in the final again, just because these are single-handedly. I love, first and foremost, I am a fan of the game. It is the most pure game. It is the most beautiful game on the planet. I love football, but I love tennis. And you want to give me the two best players in the world right now. That's it. That's what I want to see. And everybody else, hey, you'll be lucky if you win your quarter. I'm just not impressed with absolutely anybody on tour right now. Either you're injured, either you're just like your head's all over the place. We talked about Rublev. What happened to him? We talked yeah. about Felix. What happened to him? Like all of these players have just fallen off from either 2022 season to now or sits up us trying to find a new coach. Like whatever it is, I'm just not interested. I want to see the best against the best. And right now it's only Djokovic and Carlos. I don't, I don't want to be the host here, but I do want to ask a question to everybody yeah, in this, in this, on this panel here. Does does the Carlos Alcaraz rise over the last year? Just, like, has that had a collective effect on the tour? Maybe a lot of these guys just knowing that they're never going to beat Carlos. I mean, Stefanos especially, right? When we see him when he faces Alcaraz, we've seen Zverev face Alcaraz. These guys all know, like, unless he has a bad match or he's sick or can injured, I, they're not yeah, going to beat him. I, so, I, I'll answer that. For I wonder my, if that's had an effect on the tour. Maybe everyone's I, just met, exhausted. I think that has an effect on the generation older than him. I don't yes. think in a weird and in not a weird way, you got to have the confidence. I agree. Like, like the guys like Holger and that, they're not fearing at the same level, even center, because they feel like they're at that level. And now we've even seen a guy like Tommy Paul get some confidence. But yes, it has an effect on 
certain players. Like yeah, and we're talking about those guys. We're talking about Zverev, Medvedev, Sitsipas, yeah. uh, Felix. Those are guys who were around. They were. It was looking like they were gonna, you know, maybe oh, make Felix. a push for a That's slam tough. by now. Well, well, Felix has more problems than just Alcaraz. Like, anyway, I'm curious what everyone else thinks, Mitch. Let's hear from Pam and Zach, please. I agree that it is having more of an effect of the olders, all the players that you just mentioned, because for the last five, ten years since they've been on tour, they've been having to deal with Nadal, Federer, and Djokovic. And just as they're on their way out, they're like, you know what? This is my chance. I can finally climb up the rankings. Dang it, there's Alcaraz right there to stop me. So it's never been easy for them, and it's not going to get any easier. Um, I think it's improving. I think it's a positive improvement for the players that are coming up because Alcaraz is reinforcing what we've already known all along. If you want to excel in ATP Tour, and if you want to be the best, if you want to be top three, top five, you need to add variety in your game. You need to have every weapon at your disposal. You can't play a baseline game. And mm -hmm. Akras is reminding players of that. And thank goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it's wow. just kind of, it's made these guys seem way older than they actually are. Like, we're talking about Sitsipas not being accomplished at the U.S. Open. He's still just turned 25. Like, because Alcaraz is so young, these guys seem like they're 33. So, I think that these guys are now entering what is actual a tennis prime. So there's still, you know, upside for them to do big things. And I think that they, some of them still will. I think every player in the top 10 other than Djokovic is what, like under 26? Something like that. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. And it just, it just does feel like these, these guys are like, they, they know they have to get even better. And I think a lot of these guys are realizing they can't. Like, there is only a certain amount of, of progress you can make as an athlete before you're just not as good as someone else. Like, yeah. maybe Rublev, it seems like he's just off mentally. Like, it, it does feel like he's just, he, it, first it was Medvedev, now Alcaraz is in his way. They, he just can't get by these guys. Like, you know, I would be, I would be beaten down mentally. I, uh, I did want to get to some thoughts, Zico, on the women's future market before we get to Cincinnati, some picks and stuff. Uh, about what I expected, honestly, nothing really stood out to me. There's, you can go a little lower with, uh, you know, it's tighter. There's still some players after golf there at 1,400. But what's, uh, what's your headspace here? Because I know you've made some runs in the past. French Open was a future market uh, expertise there. So what, what stands out here? Yeah, so I need to see what Iga does this week because I am really worried about the state of her game, especially her forehand, which used to be probably, you know, the best shot on the entire tour. I think that she's been having a lot of trouble finding the range with it. So I think if you see another poor week out of Iga, there's a really good chance we're going to see a first-time slam winner in New York. So I think that I would just kind of pepper the board with players like even Coco, who I said on your podcast a few weeks ago that has no chance of winning the U.S. Open. I now kind of think that she does. I mean, I was maybe a prisoner of the moment, but – I do think that she's playing much better tennis, and I think that there's kind of an opening with Sabalenka, you know, her headspace being a question mark, her ability to close out matches, Rabakina, injury concerns, fatigue concerns, and then Iga just not playing her best tennis. I think that there's an opening for someone else to do something big. Yeah, and Garcia losing uh, is going to probably drop her down. These lines are subject to change. Uh, Kenny, I, I echo a lot of what Zico says. Uh, there's been some flaws at the top, but maybe, you know, it is prisoner of the moment again, but somebody that I look to back as a long shot has power, Samsonova, someone maybe even like had Ed Maya. Those would be the type of players I'm going to sprinkle the board for a long shot. Oh, you know I love Hat Admaya at a, at a Grand Slam. Give me Beatrice all day. Uh, I mean, I'm looking at, at Coco Gauff, frankly. I had her. Uh, I, I had a future on her to win the U.S. Open last year. Um, you know, mentally, I think the moment was a little big when she got late in the tournament, you know, facing some of the power players. Um, I, I think she's had a good enough year. I know she hasn't played, like, 
a ton, but I think she's had a good enough year where she has the confidence now. She's also a year older. She's now 19. It's just, first of all, it's crazy that it feels like she's been around for, I mean, she has been around for like four or five years and she's, she's still 19 years old. Um, it does feel like this, this, she's a little bit closer now to competing for a grand slam. Obviously she's made the final before of a grand slam. Um, I, I think she can power through this time. So I'm, I am probably going to back her, but yeah, I mean, this is a great time of year. Like, you know, even dating back like seven years ago, you know, Carolina Pliskova, like you never know who's going to show up. Danielle Collins, you know, Danielle Collins getting hot. Sloan Stevens is getting hot. Those are two American names to look out yeah. for. Um, I may actually take a little bite of Sloan doing the U S open because like, you know, yeah. we know that she's done it before she can do it. And you know, that that's maybe a, a situation where she gets to the quarter, gets to the semi against Sabalenka or, you know, and maybe it heads or maybe Sabalenka folds under the pressure again. You know, who knows? So I, I think there's a lot of volatility there, despite the fact that we did enter Wimbledon being like, okay, here's the big or French Open really saying, okay, here's the big three. No one's going to really topple the big three. I feel like the big three have sort of succumbed to the pressure of being the big three. And we might see a lot of volatility and a lot of wild results on the women's side this uh, this year at the U.S. Open. Still think it's, yeah, still think Iga has the highest four and, you know, is doing what she did last year other than winning, you know, she can what a hot, what a hot take yeah. by Mitch Michaels saying Iga Spiatek has the highest four out of everybody. Come on, man. Let's get the people <laughs> interested. Iga's going to lose second round. She's going to lose to Claire Liu. Come on. Uh, Look no, at that. You see, you no, see that, that wonderful no photo Iga. shoot all the Americans had? No Iga hot takes for me. Uh, just gonna, just not gonna give any of those. All right, uh, go ahead, Zico. I gotta say that the, I gotta say when I look at the the uh, odds for the U.S. Open women, that Andreva line is staring at me like something that like they know something with her at <laughs> plus two thousand. Yeah. I feel like she's gonna make a run to like the semis or something. Yeah, maybe. I don't but know. you know what though? Like I, you never know. Like I one time saw odds makers at the French Open put Juan Pablo Varias on the board, and I was like, well, who is this guy? This guy's gonna be amazing. You know, like. <laughs> They do stuff like that all the time, but I agree with you. I think they do. Andreva's going to make a run here eventually at one of these slams coming up. All right. They also priced get... Rublev. Like, sorry, go ahead, Rich. No, I don't want to. They did. No, they, you, no, you're right. That you're was, right. but they knew though. They, I mean, he's looked terrible. That's what like, I'm saying. I think they knew something. I'm saying they put him at plus five thousand, and he's lost two matches in horrible fashion. Like they, they do know sometimes. <laughs> all right, we're going to get very rarely, but they do. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. We're going to get to some picks here on tennis bets for some of the Cincinnati action, uh, starting with you, Pam. Uh, and we got some action on this match in another pick as well. But you're going with Stan the Man plus two and a half games versus Tiafo. Even with that photo shoot that came out, you're just going against the American. Stan the Man. I love it. Walrinka plus two and a half games. I wanted to do this, the money line, being a little bit conservative here against the big foe. But it's really only one reason, and I got to just admit, like, it is a night match. It is 70-degree weather. It's 80% humidity. The court is still going to be fast, but the conditions are going to help slow things down to keep Walrinka alive in this. You're catching big foe in kind of a bit of a slump is what I'm going to call. I mean, he had seven double faults in the opening match against uh, Talon Greek Sport. You saw him unravel. We talked about it in last week's show against Milos Roundage in Toronto. He had a straight set loss to Dan Evans in Washington, had only 24% of return points won. If this was a day match, I would probably stay away or lean to Tiafo. But because it's a night match, 
foe is out of rhythm, Walrinka yeah. could win this match. So the theme of today's show seems to be that there's some picks by the other members of the panel, and then Zico kind of tails it in even more conservative uh, rounds because he's on your same wavelength there in this match. Have it right here, plus one and a half sets for Stan against Tiafo. Look, I mean, the head-to-head is is squarely in his favor too, so maybe that plays a factor into this matchup. Yeah, honestly, normally it wouldn't for me just because Walrinko's like one of the best players ever, so it's hard to even really look at that when his prime is just kind of coinciding with you know Tiafo's rise. But, you know, Walrinko got a win against him last year when he was playing like his worst tennis, and it was on a grass court. It wasn't on clay, so I do think some of that translates to this. And Walrinko is just a much better player this year than he was last year. And like Pam said, Tiafo's not playing very well right now. I thought he looked awful in that round. I thought that the match against Greek Spore was just really ugly tennis. I think that if he was not playing in front of the U.S. crowd, he probably would have lost that match. So I think it's a really good opportunity to take Walrinka plus one and a half sets. And I did sprinkle the money line a little bit at plus 155. I, I totally agree with both of you guys. I'm on the over 23 and a half here. But, I mean, you can even go all the way back to the Karatsev match, his first match in Washington. I mean, it, that was a very, very close match. He was He was fortunate to play Jerry Shang, a player that he has crushed before. Um, I think he came into that one with a lot of confidence. But you mentioned the Greece War match. I mean, Talon in the third set just, I mean, I think it was three or four unforced errors in a row. Just give Tiafo the break and let him serve it out. I mean, it, it, this guy is not playing nearly the same tennis that he did, you know, the last two years, really, when we got to North American hard courts. And, and it's, it's kind of disheartening. But this is another yeah. good matchup here. I do think under the lights actually helps Tiafo. I think in theory the court speeds being slower helps Stan. So Pam is right about that. But I think the fact that it's he's going to be the main event of the evening, probably he probably pulls out uh, at least for one set of very good level. So I think over 23 and a half. But I could also see Stan winning this in two sets. So uh, yeah, I mean uh, I think he's playing really good, really good tennis. Stan's Stan's going to have some crowds support too i think that's a big part it's not just going to be a full partisan crowd they love stand as well all right so we also have some action by two of our panelists on holger tonight uh we'll we'll sort of find it okay that's good uh holger runa on uh, on the board uh kenny likes the games zico's going money line i guess we'll get an outsider's perspective pam any any thoughts on this match the money line is zico picked as minus 160 the game spread what are your thoughts on i guess the action on this guy Runa, um, that's too much juice for me to want to pay uh, for him to take a money line. If you are going to back Runa, then yeah, you save yourself the dollars and take the minus two and a half games. I don't like the movement now because the line earlier was, well, now it's, it has since dropped to two. So I would rather take the two instead of the two and a half um, from that perspective, from a betting perspective. But McDonald is kind of playing really well right now. And he's one of those backboard players that can return absolutely everything. And Runa, I can't ga- get a gauge on him. He's one of those inconsistent players, so I'm not one to back or fade him right now. Yeah, it's it's always scary backing Runa. I just think he's going to smoke Mackenzie McDonald here. Uh, it th- I think the run last week you, on paper, you know, you'd think he was in great form. I thought he looked pretty bad in all those matches, especially now with the with the how Rublev is playing. Um, it's easy to see that maybe that wasn't the best win in the world. But I mean, you go. I watched that Karatsev match. I watched like. Just not like Mackenzie McDonald is capable at, of playing a top 30 level. Like he sometimes looks like unbelievable. I don't think he's playing like that right now. And I know Rune has lost four matches in a row, but the real tennis heads know that loss to Giron was actually a good loss. I thought Rune looked pretty good in that match. I thought just Giron played unbelievable and he can do that sometimes. 
Um, I, I think I, I think I do like the money line, but I really don't have any reason to play it because I think he's going to win this in two easy sets. He's just way better. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm with Kenny. Like, I just don't really trust McDonald either. Like, I know we're probably both have bad taste in our mouth because we had him against Davidovich Fokina and he played like his worst match of the year in that match. But I do think that part of what's going into this match, I think, is that people think that he's going to have the home crowd in his favor. But I don't think that that's going to impact Runa at all. I think that Runa's going to like that atmosphere. He's going to be going trying to get them riled up against him. And I think he's going to play really well in, you know, in that atmosphere. Also, yeah. for what it's worth, I I don't think the home crowd, like even last night with J.J. Wolf, I feel like they're not really getting behind the Americans. I could see Runa as a top 10 player. Top 10 players always get a good crowd. Reaction. I could see Runa having the crowd, frankly. I don't think anyone really cares about Mackenzie McDonald. No offense to him. I love him. But I don't know no, if they're going to really cheer for him. He's serious. I'm being serious It was loud for Wolf. It's at, in the second set, it got really loud for Wolf last night. I don't think the rain helps either that we've had so That's many true. stops and starts and it's just tough to go to midnight or one on a weeknight. Um, we have a money line uh, parlay or money line bet for uh, Ken for Kenny Chorich plus 132 versus Hubie. You, you're really liking him to back it up from last year. Just keep this Cincinnati success going, huh? Yeah, three and one uh, all time against Hercots. We talked last year about Hercots. I, I, ironically, he uh, he did take a set off of Carlos Alcaraz and looked pretty good in that match. But I don't think this is a match he gets up for like that uh, Alcaraz match. And you know, I, I think he, he looked a little shaky first round against Kokonakis. But ultimately, Chorich here. The main reason I love him uh, is just he's got a ton of ranking points to defend. He's got everything to play for. Hubie, I, I mean. I know his ranking has been a lot higher in the past. You know, he's, he's 20 in the world, but um, he's not going to like, you know, reach the top five, right. You know, with an amazing week here, I just don't think with a stacked field, he knows that it's up, he's up against it. I think he's probably looking forward to the U S open at this point. And George is just going to dig his heels in. He has everything to play for here because his ranking is going to plummet. If he doesn't win this match and win the next match and win the match after that. So um, yeah, I, I think he's been playing fine. And again, he knows her He's beaten her three out of four meetings. Um, he courted didn't look amazing in the first round, but you know, still a, a tough opponent to get through. So I, I think he's uh, mispriced here and um, I'm going to take him to win. Well, I, uh, I should be remiss if I don't let you get your other bet in Kenny, the uh, Sinago to Sinago to win a set over Fritz. So in a battle there uh, quickly, I just why <laughs> Oh wow! Okay, he was up right. a break as well. He was up a break, and now he's about to go down a break. Uh, as, as that's how tennis works. But Dusan Lajevic has uh, got set point no, against I, Yannick Sinner here on serve, which is we guys should talk about as well. Oh, I do. I, I want to uh, see if he holds this on and then gets the uh, see what the live market is. And he wow. did. He so he those would have been great odds. So we have the banner there, and Pam he takes the first set. And right now I'm looking at Lajevic plus one thirty five. Sinner still minus one seventy five in this match. So. If we have any thoughts on what the live market is, or just stay out of that this time of year. Stay out of it. Center has a bigger tournament called the U.S. Open coming up. <laughs> yeah, see, I mean, so look. Take Livevich. Yeah, then maybe that's the play then. Yeah. Um, wait, yeah, Center's coming off. You always want to – what do we always look for as sports bettors where you have just had a really good run now, and now you're coming into it. So Center's coming off, winning the Canadian Open. This is his first match at Cincy. You got – it's kind of like the perfect sandwich spot. Coming off a win – Going into the U.S. Open, eh, maybe he's not interested. Come on, in Pam. You're making me hungry. Uh, Lajovic has to think about Winston-Salem. Right 
<laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> no, you, for, uh, in, in all seriousness, Winston-Salem coming up is something we should we should mention because you have the odds backward. It's Lajevich plus 135. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And center But um, that's the real – like Pam was talking about times to sit out. Like that's the real week where you don't want to bet Winston-Salem. I mean if you – honestly, I've actually had success in the past betting – against what i think like it, you know because every it really goes counter to what you think i thought the yeah. week before a slam well what about tricky. what about betting against the player that wins that tournament in the first round what winston i'm talking about winston salem okay yeah, you're talking about the guy yeah i mean yeah, we all everyone who's bet on tennis knows you yeah. always want to fade the guy yeah. who had yeah. a good week or who had a long okay. week the week before this, this is a public show so let's let's cool with that yeah. everyone knows like you know we're trying to be instructional here that's, that. that's what I'm trying to say. I'm that. trying to be helpful. People looking forward to betting next week at Winston-Salem, just be prepared that nothing ever makes sense. Michael Emer made the final there. You know, Carlos Alcaraz did actually play in it a couple of years ago, but it's it definitely, you know, a lot of players are just really not giving it their all because they don't want to get hurt of going into the U.S. Open. Okay. Um, frankly, this week could be could be similar as well. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely weird to bet right before a slam, as, as Pam was mentioning at the top of the show. Yeah. Before we wrap up, Pam, any final thoughts on kind of what we're looking at this week, betting strategies and beyond? I am no, from a betting perspective, no. Um, I'm going to Italy in two days, so I don't know what happens here from now until then. But I'm just excited to see Djokovic back on court. Yeah, that's where all the center love came from. You're going to Italy. It's like, uh, ah, if I see if I see Fonini, I'm gonna freak out. (laughs) Yeah, I think I would too. I saw uh, him. Uh, I saw him when I covered Miami last year. He was walking around. He went to the same Italian restaurant I went to, which made me feel like it was a good choice. But I'm not. I'm not so sure the food wasn't that great. <laughs> but I was like, Benini's going here. It must be good, yeah. you know? Yeah. Uh, Zico, I, I did have one thing. We, I, we didn't get this in last week, but one of the better lines I've heard, and she's playing Ega today. But Danielle Collins does the Dylan Brooks of WTA. The stunning. Stuff. Yeah, she's just. She's really feisty. I don't think she cares if anyone hates her. And clearly she acts like it on the court. She'll do anything. I mean, she was yelling at her opponent across the net the other day. So, yeah, she's just a, you know, almost, you know, a WWE heel is what we'd call her. I, I, it's like if you gave Jensen Brooksby <laughs> Taylor Fritz's talent. I think that would be, that would be it's very similar, similar gotta, vibes. But I love her. I took her to win today against Viatek. Ooh, she can do it. You've got to be irrationally confident and kind of crazy when you're, playing the very best in the world. What are you going to just be respectful and get killed? Uh, She's an athlete. She's a competitor. I love her. Any final thoughts on uh, this week and beyond? Uh, I, I, my final thought here is that I took out a future at plus 2200 on Stefano Sittipas to win Cincinnati. And that would be crazy because it's been, I mean, we have the top 20 players are all entered into Cincinnati. One of the most loaded fields we've had in 10 years. Uh, But I think with the change of his coach, the fact that we were just talking about some guys, you know, maybe a Hubert Hurkacz, not really completely focused on winning Cincinnati. I think Stefano Tsitsipas wants to send a message to the tour. I think he wants to, to really rise, uh, keep his ranking. He's been the semis better three years in a row at Cincinnati. I like him to win at those odds. I think it's it, it's kind of crazy how long he is to win. So that's my final thought. Well, this has been a pleasure as always. Uh, I'll work on that dialects coach with my coach about, you know, how I say certain words, but uh, it really was a pleasure. And Pam, have fun in Italy. We're going to be doing this show on Friday of next week. So if there is an update, we make, you know, WhatsApp when the draw comes out of what you're thinking, maybe leans, but you might just be too pasta and wind out. So I would understand that as well. 
Yeah, I'll probably be on the flight. <laughs> yeah. You get a written statement to read. A written statement. <laughs> they bet Djokovic and Alcaraz. Uh, guys, pleasure. Uh, Kenny, Zico, we'll see you next week. A reminder, the show will be Friday, so we get some draw reaction and uh, some... Bracketology. Bracketology and some Winston-Salem <laughs> finals advice, too, because you're not going to want to miss yeah. that. But, you know, <laughs> make sure you're following Tennis Bets on all the podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, Amazon, and check us out on YouTube, Facebook, and on Tennis Bets Twitter. For Pamela Maldonado, Zachary Cohn, and Kenny Ducey, my name is Mitch Michaels. Thank you so much for watching Tennis Bets Live. We'll see you next week. Good luck out there. <laughs>